a big day in our church, Micah and Erica, who have served this church for years. They are getting married today at 3.30. So keep them in your prayers. We're just really excited for them. Really, really excited for them. They're the sweetest couple you'll ever meet. They love the Lord, and they are um, finally getting married. I'm stoked for them. So um, we have been talking about prayer for a few weeks now. We obviously think this is something that's very important. This is something that is foundational. If you follow Jesus, if you love the Lord, it's really important to talk to him, to make him part of your life. So we are gonna continue that conversation on prayer, um, and I want to pray for you today. So we're gonna look at some words from Paul in Ephesians 1, uh, verses 15 through 23. Um, Ephesians is a little bit different from the rest of Paul's letters. Most of the letters he wrote were to specific churches um, for specific situations, some of them very messy. Um, and this letter to the Ephesians, though, is written to the churches in and around Ephesus. It's written to many churches. It was written expected that it would be passed around and shared. And it really does cover a lot of the doctrines in, in Christianity. Um, in this letter, Paul talks just a ton about the body of Christ and the church, which is why we want to kind of hit a very small portion of that today. And in verses, these verses uh, 15 through 23, Paul tells the church in Ephesus that he's been praying for them um, from his prison cell. So would you guys actually stand with me? Um, we read the word of God, and sometimes we like to stand when we do that to show that um, we value it. Does that make sense? And since our kiddos are in here today, um, we have a lot that I hope they remember and learn from this day, and this is one of them. So read with me Ephesians 1, starting in verse 15. It says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we again just ask that we would um, have open hearts, Lord, to see what you would reveal to us today. We just ask that you would bless these people standing here, that you would bless these kiddos, Lord, and help them just to remember the truth that they, they learn um, at church. God, would you bite up their little hearts and keep them safe? I love you. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, guys. All right, let's look again at verse... 15, those first three words, for this reason, that obviously means we've skipped a significant chunk. Um, those first 14 verses of Ephesians 1, they say um, in a very small nutshell that we are chosen by the Father, that we are uh, redeemed by the Son, and then sealed by His Spirit. That is an incredibly succinct way of saying there's so much in these first 14 verses. It's um, incredible. Lots of people actually call them a poem and poetry because it's such a beautiful section of scripture. We're only gonna get to a little bit of that today, but um, it is really powerful. So, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. 
this is um, really cool to me because we, it's a, good, it's a good habit to go to prayer in crisis. That's a wonderful habit. Top, tops of all the habits to turn to prayer, to turn to Jesus in a crisis. But Paul is actually saying, you guys are doing so good. Like I'm hearing about your love for each other. He's not gonna be hearing about lovesy devsly feelings for each other, right? He's hearing about their faith, their love and action. It's so profound that it's getting back to Paul. That's crazy. He's saying you are doing really well, yet he has not stopped praying for them. And I just wanted to pause there to say like, let's just be a church that prays in crisis, heck yes. And in growth and in everything in between, yes? Yes, lots of head nods, thanks for that. Yeah, he's just praying that already growing Christians would continue and grow and mature. So as we read through these verses, this is our prayer um, as a staff, kind of picking this section. And um, it's been on our hearts for a long time and a prayer for each of you. So I hope you feel the love and know that you are prayed for consistently. So know that. Okay, let's go back to verse 17 here. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. We're going to pause there. Two things I just want to cover really quickly. In the time that Paul was writing this letter, um, they didn't know much about the human brain. Brains weren't a big thing for them. They didn't um, acknowledge it as the part of you that reasons or understands something. So for them, um, praying for the eyes of your heart to be opened is this like comprehension that he's praying for. Does that make sense? Also, heart means your soul and your core in their culture. And they were, they were just much better culturally than us, I feel we are sometimes, at acknowledging the, the whole person. So for them to say, I pray the eyes of your heart would be opened. He's saying like a total knowing, okay? Second thing. Um, this has come up in so many conversations in like women's studies and things like that. Does your translation have a capital S on the word spirit or a lowercase s? Um, there is some division in our translation, some um, little bit of conflict there saying, does Paul mean the Holy Spirit? He's praying that the spirit of God would give you wisdom and revelation. Or is he saying lowercase s, depending on your translation, that our own spirit is transformed by the Holy Spirit. I hope you see there how it actually doesn't matter. There is some difference in translation, but the same result is happening. The Holy Spirit is the one transforming and changing us, yes? I wanted to mention that because it has come up more times than you would think. Either way, Paul is praying that God would give us a new level of insight. Cool? Okay. What he prays, just for wisdom, revelation, open eyes, is a sight and knowledge where there really wasn't any before. We're actually gonna back up out of our little verse clump here. We're going to go back to verse 13 of this chapter. It says this of the believers, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When you believe in Jesus, you are marked in him with a seal. I've asked these sweet little babies for help. Jaden and Sally, I need you. Friends, come on up. I've asked them for some, some help. Come close to me. I need to be able to reach you. Okay, close your eyes, cover up those eyeballs with your hands. Okay, now just stay there. Don't move. You're gonna have to stay there for a long time. Do you know not to peek? You promise you won't peek? Okay, he's, I trust him. Okay, without looking, without opening your eyes, can you tell me where is Miss Madeline sitting? Do you know? No. What does Miss Madeline look like? 
Don't look. Do you know? Okay, that's great. That's the right answer. Okay, just stay here for one sec, okay? Oh my gosh, you guys are very cute. Oh, I'm so cute. All right. They don't know what Miss Madeline looks like because they've never met Miss Madeline. So this is fair. These, though, this is the vessel that God has chosen for his spirit. This, these little, sweet little boys in this skin, in this, isn't that bizarre? God's spirit, the spirit of God himself, is in this boundary of a person. Isn't that nuts? I'm getting distracted because I, that's just such an emotional thing for me. Let's read 1 Corinthians 2, verse, starting in verse 9. It says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Paul's actually quoting Isaiah 64 right there. But he goes on to say, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except that man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what he has freely given us. That's pretty crazy. All right, open your eyes, men. Good job. Madeline, will you wait? Do you see her? Do you see what she looks like? Her pretty poofy hair, I love it. You see her, yes? Okay, go sit down. That, if you can imagine kids going from darkness to, to light and vision and understanding, that's what the Holy Spirit does for you in your heart and in your life. And the Holy Spirit is actually in you to help you see and understand, okay? Okay. All right, we're getting into this actual prayer part now, but I wanted you to hang on to that because there are some big things, three things that Paul prays that we would understand. You understand them by the work of the Spirit in you. All right, goodness. First, verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Some really good stuff in here. We're going to go through First, to know the hope to which he has called you. Um, a big theme in Ephesians and in the Christian worldview um, is that this physical world that presents itself to us here and now is not the whole story. There's a lot more to it than that. What I see and touch is roughly half of reality. We're talking real reality. I don't mean to sound kooky. It's just if you believe in Jesus, you believe in, in this world and in more to come and in more that exists here, right? 2 Corinthians 4 talks about this hope that God has given us. He says, again, this is Paul, so you notice the theme here. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. These eyes can't see what is unseen. We're clearly talking about eyes of the heart. We're talking about our heart's focus here. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. Um, we can look at present, visible, touchable circumstances, you guys, all of which have been touched in some way by death and destruction. We can look at each element of that and know that there's so much more. We look at all of that in light of the gospel, and that is the hope to which he's called us. Amen? Tracking? Goodness, we just read back in verse 13, just a second ago with the boys, 
Having believed, we were marked with a seal, promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. Why does someone give a deposit? To say, I'm good for the rest. Here's a deposit, right? And the Holy Spirit is the proof in our lives. He's the deposit right into our lives, proving that there is more to come. Does that make sense? We have a lot of hope. We have a lot of hope and a lot of life to come. Good. All right, the next thing we pray to know, the next thing Paul prays for us and our prayer for you, um, is to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Some translations say, in his holy people. Um, Paul was a Pharisee, um, so that means he knows the entire Old Testament. He's a pro at this, and he often, you'll notice in his writing, refers back to the Old Testament. A lot of his writing reads like a sermon because he's literally in Scripture, talking about Scripture. It's pretty cool stuff. But Paul is doing his traditional, use the Old Testament move here again. He's using the words that God used to describe his covenant relationship with ancient Israel. Uh, so Deuteronomy 32.9 says, We are the people of the Lord's inheritance. Deuteronomy 7 says, For you are a holy people to Yahweh your God. Yahweh has chosen you to be his people, his treasured possession. So the language that Paul's using here really emphasizes how much God loves and treasures his people. And that's something Paul prays for us to know. There's a lot of implications here. Weeks worth of sermons of implications here on how the body of Christ, the church, is his treasure. And Paul is really saying, praying for us to know the richness of each other. That could preach all day. I'll save that one for Rick, okay? Hey kiddos, you with us? I have a question. Have you seen a treasure map? Have you ever seen one? Like X marks the spot? You seen a treasure map? You asked and has made one. Okay, listen, this is very cool stuff. On God's treasure map, what's under his X? Is it just like piles and piles of gold? All the diamonds in the world? Bunch of cash? No, it's you, babies. You are actually his most secret, secret special treasure, and he keeps you safe in his shelter, and he watches over you, and you are that special to him, okay? They're like, we're coloring, but they're listening. I know what kids. Mine are listening, I can tell. I can tell. All right, number three, finally, we pray to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul goes on to say what kind of power he means. Verse 19, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Paul is clearly not talking about um, persuasion or um, influence, power to get what we want. He's not, he does not care about that. That stuff's trash. What he's talking about is gospel power, like death to life kind of power. Back to verse 19, that power is like his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul prays, and we pray for you sincerely, um, that your eyes would be opened to the fact God really does have the power to reverse death's moments in your life. That's the truth. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy talk, but it's true, and we can too accept that. That's pretty crazy. Kids, there's something else you got to know. Jesus was seated. It's just this crazy power. He doesn't, he doesn't just like raise Jesus to life 
like he did Lazarus. He raised Lazarus to life, but Lazarus still finishes living out his life, and then he dies again, right? That's not, that's not what we're playing at here. God raised Jesus to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he stays alive as like the ultimate conqueror of sin and death. It's permanent. That's crazy. And he raises him so far above every other power and role. He's not, Jesus isn't just like a little bit more powerful, like in the superhero movies, they barely win, because that's more fun to watch, I guess, right? It'd be a bad movie if it was super easy. He doesn't just barely win, he wins by such a huge amount, we can't even comprehend. It's incomparably great power. That power is a gift to you. And I do want to be clear, it's not like we're like, we suddenly have powers and we're gonna be really rich and never bad, things will never happen. It's just not like that. Following Jesus can be really tough, right? But it's his great power at work in your life through the Holy Spirit who is in your skin that brings life where there was nothing before, where there was confusion and emptiness. He brings that understanding. Imagine these kids, just darkness, and then, oh, wow, I understand. I see Miss Madden, <laughs> right? That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, Allie, would you guys come on up? There's so much in this section of scripture. There's so much in just one chapter of God's word, and there's just so much that needs to be dug out and really ingested slowly. There's so much that needs to be understood. But for today, I do want you to know that the one who defeated death is your king. He is far above every other power, every other power, ones that we can see and touch and ones that are invisible, right? All of it, all that exists is far below him. He's head over everything. It says that he's head over everything for the church. He's head over everything for you because you believe in him. Jesus is your king. The world doesn't know that, but you know that. And Jesus is your king and he is head over everything for your sake. Okay? Hmm. And his power is for you. Um, church, you have been given hope and an extreme measure of value and life through the power of his name none of which are your own but are a gift from god yes what this means you read the last verse the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way what this means guys is that now you are the fullness of christ to the world and to each other because god himself fills you yes um it is a lot to take in but good news you have one one very easy job today easy peasy job. Will you stand with us? We're going to worship again. And, um, one easy job. I am going to pray for you. Will you simply receive it today? Father, we just ask for this, this group of people, Lord, for this church, for the body of Christ that is yours throughout the earth. But especially for those in this room this morning, God, would you give each of these here a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they can know you better? Would you open the eyes of their hearts so that they can know the hope to which you called them, the riches of your glorious inheritance in them, your holy people? Would you show them your incomparably great power to conquer sin and death in their lives? And God, would you fill them with your spirit? Lord, we're so grateful for the work that you do in our hearts. God, we're grateful for the work that you do in our children as they learn and grow. And we're grateful for the power that you have given us. We can do nothing on our own. 
we're pretty crazy and pathetic on our own, Lord, but you are with us. We did not go out alone. We go in your strength and in your fullness to be the fullness of you to the world around us, Lord. And we just, we accept that challenge. We accept that position today, God, as your kids. Um, we want to show the world who you are, Lord, and we're just so grateful that we don't have to do that on our own strength, our own power. We don't have to muster up our own value. We don't have to pretend everything's okay. We have a solid hope. We have each other, the richness of each other, Lord, and we have power that comes only from you. We're so grateful, God, for the good work that you do in us. Amen. Will you worship with us today? <laughs>